Oh, it's so wonderful to see you again. Come in and unwind. Welcome back to the Celestial Cafe, a podcast for the magical mind. So come, take a seat. Would you like something sweet? A star drop potion for the soul? Maybe an enchanted eclair as a treat? I just baked a batch of warm cookies with a dash of moonlight. I wonder what will happen if you take a little bite. Here's your bewitching beverage. Let each sip melt your worries away. It's time to open your mind. I wonder what magic awaits us today. Okay, and hello everybody, and welcome back to the Celestial Cafe, a podcast for the magical mind. Uh, welcome in, welcome in, hello. Today is a mini episode, so that means that only two of your hosts are here. Me, hey Shady Lady, and Dukesley. Hi Dukesley. Hi. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, ready to, and excited to talk about Alice. Hooray, hooray. So yeah, we're going to be discussing um, Alice's adventures in Wonderland today. Uh, So in our mini episodes, we like to kind of hyper-focus on a specific topic. And we decided to go with Alice in Wonderland. I just finished reading the book for the first time. Weirdly. I mean, I've seen you know, the live action movie and the Disney movie. I think I've only seen that like once. And you know, it's funny because like Alice has never really hit for me. It's never Mm. really stuck. It's never really like, like deeply called to, to, you know, my heart or anything. Cause it's just so nonsensical that it, it, it irritates me, which is strange, mm. but that's kind of the experience I had after reading it. I did enjoy reading it and it has given me a lot to like think about and ponder. But yeah, I, I recently read it for um, the solo podcast that I started a couple of weeks ago called the Shady Whispers podcast and an ASMR style podcast where I read books and deep dive Wikipedia articles. And I started with Alice's uh, adventures in Wonderland, which I actually think was a great choice because it's it, the podcast is meant to be something you listen to before you fall asleep. And Alice is so dreamy in nature that and so weird yeah. that it's really easy to kind of dissociate to while you're listening to it or reading it or, or yeah. c- consuming it. So it's a really, really great narrative to kind of listen to as as you know to detach from reality and kind of drift into to dream world. Yeah, it's easy to lose yourself in the world of Wonderland, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also like, okay, (laughs) I have, like, my opinions about the the story, I just found it so, like, so nonsensical that it was, like I said, irritating. It was just like, (laughs) I don't know. By the time, like, you started to get, and maybe this is the point of it, I don't know, but so by the time I started to get, like... I don't know if used to is really the phrase that I want to use, but like immersed in a scene, it was gone. And, and I'm, that's dreamlike in and of itself. Like you're you're drifting in and out of dreams. So it's like, oh, you start to kind of like find your feet on solid ground with, you know, the Mad Hatter and the Dormouse Mm -hmm. and all of these characters. And then they're just, she just leaves. And there's like, kind of like non sequitur. All of it feels like non sequitur. And definitely, um, I guess I do really like like fiction narratives a lot to the point where I just couldn't find myself caring about any of it. And I was just like, I, I literally don't care. I literally don't care about mock turtle soup. I literally don't care about the Griffin. I literally don't care about this trial. Like it felt, it felt tedious to me after a while, which I was surprised by because it's so renowned or whatever. And maybe I need to sit on it because it's only been a couple of weeks and revisit it and read it a couple of times through because you're like an Alice expert, right? You, yeah, you were just mentioning you did Alice. some kind of crazy like like thesis on it or something, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of my thesis is when I was in uh, college was on Alice, The Hobbit, and um, just folktale, folklore, uh, and Alice is just holds such a special place in my heart because I see myself a lot in Alice, dreamy, bit of a crybaby, uh, weird sense of identity. And this is definitely a coming of age story, but in the most, oh gosh, nonsensical way. And um, it, it's interesting trying discovering yourself through a dream, which spoilers, I suppose, is how the story ends. Everything was a dream, and but it, it's I, I would feel amiss to not have that be an important important For discussion sure. point yeah. of of what Alice is and what it represents. Um, and I, I, yeah, I love Alice. Alice is a comfort zone for me. I think that yeah, the the story is nonsense, but um, 
at the time, which so this was written during like Victorian ages. It, this this was such a breakthrough novel that <laughs> created such a stage for things to have such um how do I even want to say this like no meaning at all yet holding a lot of it, it's very satirical I, I, believe, I was gonna say well. in some ways it feels like it was um uh like a reaction to the norm and yes. it kind of like subverting all expectations like one of the first things to just kind of like throw it on its head so like yeah. calling it a satire is is interesting but I, I i don't i feel like it was really intentional though i feel like this was definitely uh like lewis carroll the author is clearly very practiced in occult symbolism or yes uh he just dumb lucked his way into some of it like sometimes <laughs> it feels like intentional and other times it just feels like he w- was writing gibberish to him Im- to impress the the kid that he had a fascination with and yeah. it, it really didn't have a deep esoteric meaning it's just we're applying it in the aftermath kind of thing i think it was a little of both uh knowing lewis carroll and knowing uh who he was he did have a deep sense of fascination for the occult and psychic abilities if you look through like the books that he had in his library he had a lot of like telepathy books and like psychic power books so like he was definitely fascinated by those subjects and uh and he was also uh, fascinated by things like mythology which is i think a big cornerstone of the story It, it borrows a lot from greek mythology and roman mythology and kind of puts a new dress on them <laughs> so that it, it's more modern, at least for that time period. And uh, yeah, he, he he definitely held a, a reverence for those subjects in some capacity. But um, I do think that at the same time, some of this was like maybe channeled, right? Where like these archetypes that are that show up in Alice, like our archetypes that keep showing up over and over and over again in mythos and in storytelling. I mean, this is the hero's journey, uh, like through and through, which is such an important myth that exists and has existed. In fact, and, and another myth that is very prominent in Alice is the underworld myth. Um, and specifically a woman, a girl, maybe a, a young girl going into the underworld, uh, Older than Gilgamesh, eh, the first ever myth was um, a Babylonian myth with um, Inanna. And it, it's all about a woman going down into the other wor- underworld, uh, going through trials and tribulations and coming back out with knowledge, with wisdom um, and and a sense of completion. And, and it's funny to see that sort of embedded with the hero's journey because... I don't know. It's my belief that like things like mythos, it, it's the reason why it keeps coming up over and over and over again. It, it resonates deeply within our super conscious or subconscious over and over and over again through all spans of time without the cultures communicating amongst each other. Right. And and it, it's this the similarities of myth. It reminds humanity what we all share, this this desire to go on an adventure, become victorious in crisis, and then return home, change, transformed, evolved, right? Uh, but I think another very popular woman going, once again, no, not woman, girl, it's very specifically young girls going down into the underworld is Persephone. And I think that this might be another reason why I relate so heavily to Alice, and maybe you don't, but I work with Persephone. She's one of the two um, deities that I regularly work with alongside with Aphrodite. Um, and sort of being able to make that connection of, and, and I mean, the, the beginning of the stories are so similar to Persephone. It begins with her hanging out with her sister, who's also her mother, because Greek, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Demeter, and uh idly daydreaming, uh, picking flowers in a field when all of a sudden a chasm opens up below Persephone and she falls endlessly through a hole, ends up in the underworld, goes through trials and tribulations, and then eventually comes out on the other side, comes back up to Earth with her sister, mother, once again. Similarly with Alice, it begins with Alice in a field, idly daydreaming with her sister around, her motherly sister, uh, kind of hanging out with her. 
uh, all of a sudden, well, in Alice's case, she went to go take a nap under a tree. And all of a sudden, she sees this white rabbit right in front of her. She goes and she follows them and goes down a a, a hole and an un- never ending hole, just like Persephone. Uh, another, so, and also going back to what you said earlier about Lewis Carroll maybe having occult knowledge, I think that something that's really important to think about is so. Back, way, way back then, way a long, long, long time ago, and a really important part for young women who were a part of mystery schools and who were training to be priestesses, they would be dressed in all white, wearing wreaths of flour upon their head. They would enter a temple, which would go underground, and they would stay there, gain knowledge underground, and then they would then ascend and be celebrated by by her priestess circle being like, woohoo, like you've, you've learned the secrets of the universe. It's, it's like a rite of passage for a lot of young women uh, during this time period that are seeking enlightenment, knowledge, healing, healing powers. And something that Lewis Carroll did for the real life Alice, which is important to mention that this is based off of his uh, fascination with uh, a real young girl named, named Alice Little. He had her dressed up in a white robe with a flower crown and did a photo shoot with her in in that outfit. So I do think that there was a bit of knowledge of a cult there. And even in some of his poetry in the book, he mentions uh, the pilgrims going below and, and regaining knowledge. And pilgrims were the phrasing that was used back in the day to discuss these um, young ladies that would go on to be priestesses and do this rite of passage. I, I always thought that was interesting. And other other than that, like, I think that Persephone, are you familiar with Persephone and like what she like embodies? And- yeah, yeah. She's sort of a, a rebirth and she has to do with spring and the changing over of seasons going yeah. down to with death. I know that there's usually big romance arcs that go with her and death when people are yes. romanticizing these myths and stuff. But yeah, 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 it's I and I want to say it's like melancholy, but it's also like it's like a butterfly. Uh, it's necess- yeah. a necessary transformation, um, and it's also like kind of a sacrifice too. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's, um, and I think that's how a lot of old priestesses that used to go to these mystery schools would see it as well as sort of a a deep stillness where you sort of release parts of yourself, and then you you come back more centered, more meditative, more. F- filled with knowledge and wisdom and uh because that's what the silent begets right i don't know it it just it it doesn't go past me like the alice and persephone intertwining that occurs and i think that brings such a deeper depth to what alice goes through so because it, it it isn't nonsense but i do think that alice learns things and and is is comes out of the dream with New Surely, yeah. Knowledge. Like one of the parts that stands out to me, there, there's a couple of parts that stand out to me. But I, I think of when she's having the conversation with the caterpillar, and yes. he asks her, "Who are you?" and it just fully stumps her. And, yes. And I'm also, th- th- I guess, there's like a lot. I okay. I, I'm critical about everything that I read, so I think that the give it a give it a grain of salt when I'm coming <laughs> and criticizing stuff because it's not that I didn't like it. I just thought that it wasn't as good as that it was going to be. I don't know. And maybe Mm -hmm. I need time, like I said, maybe I need time to sit on it and process it. And maybe it was Mm -hmm. so simplified. Maybe I was expecting something more uh, grand. It was like over Mm -hmm. in like a second and the scenes lasted like five, like five seconds. So I mean, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like it was um, expanded as much as it could have been, but I guess the simplicity is where the, I don't know, the longevity of it comes from because there's a lot that you can project and apply into it. But definitely. There's another another scene where she's stumbling, she's tumbling down, and it, it might be after that. It might be when she's already landed and she's in the room with the tables and trying to figure out how to get in through the door that she's trying to figure out who she, who she is. It's before the caterpillar because um, she's not quite yeah. pondering that question, but she's I know she's thinking to herself like, 
well, maybe I'm this, this little girl that I remember who was really dumb and didn't know her lessons because I'm getting everything wrong right now. So maybe I'm her, but if I'm her, (laughs) then I, I don't want to be her. So I don't, so I'm just not going to be her. And she starts like trying to compare herself to all of these other like school children, I guess that she knew and trying to figure out where she, so she's kind of like diving and, and morphing through identity there and trying to understand her identity in relation to her surroundings and in relation to other children that she's interacted with. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a specific line where she's like, I'm not going to come back up unless I like who I am. Um, And I thought that was, that was like a pretty profound uh, line, but also like, bitch, you don't have any choice. You got to come up whether you (laughs) like yourself or you are or not. Like (laughs) exactly. Right. And, and I think that's such like, um, I think that's the core of Alice is it's an identity crisis that she's going through. And I think that one of the big tells throughout the story is that she's very attached to her physical self. And so when she's growing tall and small and big and small and big and small again, and she is just so baffled. She cannot even begin to comprehend what that all means. And and I think that a big lesson of the story is like releasing yourself from that physical tether, releasing yourself from what you believe is your truth and just simply being open to growing big and small and big and well, small it's again. It's interesting and- because her um, confidence changes depending on her size. Yes. And the larger she gets, the more like she's really intimidated by the queen and she's meek and she's quiet. She doesn't want to be overheard insulting her. But the bigger she gets, the more she's like, you're just a card. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And, uh, and she starts was, pointing her finger yeah. and like. And then but then she gets like cocky and her ego gets too big. She gets too full of herself, too arrogant. And and definitely. Uh, I, I think of the image of her with the two like the two pieces of mushroom in one hand or the other. And she's just nibbling one side and the other, one side and the other, trying to find the perfect balance in between the two, the two areas. Um, And she's also adjusting that based on what scene she's in and what type of people are around her. She's adjusting her modesty versus arrogance. And, and, and there's probably other ways to interpret it too, besides just modesty and arrogance. That's just the best way I can put it in layman's terms, as far as like ego, uh, yeah. the the display of ego i guess yeah she it's definitely the whole story feels like an exploration of what her ego represents and what it means and uh i i i definitely agree with like the caterpillar being such an important part of the story like and i i find it like important also to mention like the caterpillar is <laughs> so uh i think that a lot of people think that lewis carroll ingested hallucinogenic drugs uh, during the creation of this novel but there's actually no proof of that happening ever but well, and i was- don't think that like um shrooms were uh popular culture at that time anyway it would have been like right. opium or something which i was gonna say yeah opium was the drug of choice i think at that point it would have made sense and- for the the caterpillar with the hookah for sure Yes, exactly. And and that that is pretty much like soft confirmed. That's what the caterpillar was ingesting was opium. And he was like directly inspired by someone named like Thomas De Quincey, who wrote a 14 volume book called The Confessions of an English Opium Eater. And this like fucking Bruh. fascinated. Yeah, literally. I'm, like, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and, and this fascinated Lewis Carroll. And, and to the point where like he went on like a retreat and all he brought was Shakespeare and all 14 volumes. So, and he just totally lost himself in it. Here's what I think of Lewis Carroll. This yeah. man doesn't know how to experience on his own and he has to live vicariously through everyone else around him. Because I feel like yeah. a lot of the story that he, my opinion, um with Alice is was milked out of that little girl Alice um I think that he probably spent tons of time just asking her uh, uh, like interviewing and analyzing and writing everything down that she was saying and she thinks about this but then she connects it to this thought but then she connects it to this thought just studying the way her mind works um and then applying that to how and then you're telling me he's reading these 14 volumes of this guy wonder if he never did opium before but he just had like a fascination with how it how it felt how you experience what you see the world as and um i can relate to that fully like wanting to experience 
experience things without actually experiencing them. So Gemini. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Is he a Gemini? What's his sign? I actually don't know. I'll look uh, it up. <laughs> yeah, okay, you go for it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious now that we said that out loud. Aquarius. <laughs> oh, okay. January 27th. So that's Aquarius, no, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that checks out too, just as much, right? Just like deeply fascinated with the human experience on all levels. And well, we apparently have a birth time too. Um, really? That's well. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised from someone like him, but uh, True. looks like a rising Sagittarius. Nothing in Gemini. Uh, it's on the okay. whatever you call the opposite of the rising, the dis- descendant sign. Oh, so oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Sagittarius stellium with Venus, Mars, and the Moon in Sagittarius. Well, that yeah, Mercury that, that, that checks out too. Mercury, Capricorn, um, and then Sun, Jupiter, both in Aquarius. Wow. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. He's he's Fun. very like centered in the Sagittarius Capricorn Aquarius yes. area. All most of his most of his are there. Yeah, and and to me that even just sounds like someone like the the pursuit of knowledge pursuit in general. Of knowledge for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, it's it's on that Gemini Sagittarius axis. All of that Capricorn energy too would make me feel like he's less likely to take risks with some of these things, and he would be more of a of a like a student or a disciple studying others and observing others. Um, yeah, the Sagittarius might make him a risk taker, but he doesn't seem like it to me. Just from like what I'm understanding about him right now, he seems like he likes no. to observe others and apply that to his knowledge base. Yes, very opinionated man, very had very strong convictions uh about like certain views. Uh like I said that this is a very satirical book and he's constantly throwing punches at various government officials, at various conservatives, at various uh the Boston Tea Party of course with the the, the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. It, it, it's it, there's there's a lot of it definitely felt like a mockery of like court like like yeah. court of law and and Definitely. trials and juries and and just of the monarchy in general because the king and the yes. queen were kind of ridiculous characters. Yes, uh he was very loudly against the monarchy and the and duchess had a lot of like when I was trying yeah. to kind of like analyze and understand all the symbols and and apply them towards like how they lined up with psyches and stuff the duchess kept coming up with just like basic hypocrisy. Um yeah. and yeah. do one thing in public but uh, but not really believe that and it like she didn't like Alice but then when being friends with Alice was going to get the queen to not kill her all of a sudden she loves Alice and she's besties with her um right and she exactly. that's like that's like the higher uh she's not she's not like royalty but she's in that there's a there's a word I'm looking for that I can't think of but a hierarchy the, yeah uh, the 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 no, noble noble nobility class like that whole yeah. class it's funny you say that because that's the etymology of Alice's name is nobility. Mm. Uh, yeah, so and and that doesn't go past me either. <laughs> like, just I feel like there's so many like little connections throughout the the whole book, and even even through the Looking Glass, which we won't be really talking about today, but uh, it, it expands there too. Um, well, in through the Looking Glass, that's where the Jabberwocky poem is, and the Jabberwocky yes. poem is supposed to be loaded with coded language, um, like Definitely. letters that correspond with numbers that correspond back to letters, and like. And I know that from what I was reading, Lewis Carroll was really fascinated with like the Hebrew. Um, there's a word again. I'm having trouble with words today. Kabbalah. But, Kabbalah, yes, but it's a specific word for when letters are symbols for numbers that that symbolize something else. It's a specific, oh, okay. like it's a it's a coded language that's done like that. And a lot of people will uh, decode decode is if they'll decode the Bible in this way, like yeah. every seventh word, okay. every seventh letter of it. You know, this oh, like see. when you when you start to kind of attach numerology. But I've read that the reason that a lot of it feels so nonsensical is because he was trying to like. Uh, shoehorn letters into specific positions right. for the coded language of the whole the whole thing, and so that's why it's like, why is this sentence like this? And it's like, well, he really needed a J there, so it's just, you know, right. kind of thing. That's interesting. I love stuff okay. like that where it's like coded hidden shit that's like, de- but that's-, that's code breakers, like code like code breaking. Yeah. And you look at the Jabberwocky poem, and it, it looks like absolute nonsense garbage overall. Meanwhile, but there's yeah. the, it's tra- it's transferring a hidden code to those who are in the know uh and understand how to how to read the coded language yes and it's funny because like i think ultimately this this both alice in wonderland and through the looking glass are 
first and foremost children's books, but obviously this was there's a lot of hidden you gems know, I kind for of those. Disagree. <laughs> yeah, you think when so? I, I wouldn't necessarily want to get. I, I don't under, I don't think that a ten year old would like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I don't think I, they would I, understand I what they were reading. The the cartoon, yeah. like the Disney movie, sure. Um, yeah. Or the yeah. one with Johnny Depp as the Mad Hatter, sure. Like Helena Bonham Carter as the queen with her weird little big head, and like because um, it's <laughs> yeah. so fun and 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 dreamy. But I, I don't I don't imagine a kid would want to read Alice in Wonderland. I know, maybe not nowadays, but at least when back when this was published first, that like that that's how it was advertised. It was for children, and that's also why it's quite bite sized. You know, like mm. it, it it's 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 meant to be consumed before bed as a bedtime story to kind of get the uh the children to get their thoughts taken. But of course, there's so much inside that's also for it seems like a kid's story like when i'm when i'm looking at the bits and pieces of her like talking to the mock turtle and like the back and forth and this like or the back and forth with her and the mad hatter it seems like a kid's story but i don't i don't see a kid like liking it at all (laughs) i can't (laughs) i I can't imagine a kid liking this (laughs) right yeah and and once again like I, i i think that I think a lot would be lost in translation nowadays. I don't know if I would recommend this to a child nowadays. Uh, this would be something I'd want because, well, the reason why I did so much studying on this, I was going to be an English teacher uh, for high schoolers. And this was something I was really excited to share with a high school class where they would be able to um, interpret maybe uh, the the hidden meanings and the satire that's just riddled throughout the entire story, right? Maybe I'm looking at this similarly to like a never ending story or, um, mm. you know, the labyrinth and where it's like right. these, these kids could watch them, but I don't think they're going to draw the value out of them that is there. And I actually wanted to talk about the labyrinth in relation to oh. Alice in Wonderland as well, because yeah. it feels the, the main, the main, different though is that there's like a whole rebellious i you know but alice feels pretty rebellious um she she seems like she like it's rebelling from reality in the first place the fact that she's descended to this area the the main character i can't remember her name but the main character from labyrinth uh is rebelling against her responsibilities as an adult uh as she's becoming an adult she wants to just be a kid forever and i've done a whole deep dive personally just into the symbolism of the labyrinth where her room is loaded with plushies and stuffed animals and a childhood she never Useful. she never yeah. got to have the childhood she wanted and so she's she's loathful of this baby because it's getting you know what she wants which is the the childhood and sarah by the way sarah thank you there's there's a whole like subtext in the labyrinth that doesn't exist in alice at all because she's she's seemingly has like a very good relationship with her sister like she's she wakes up from her dream with her head still in her sister's lap and lovingly tells her the dream and the sister is you know very receptive and and supportive of alice's dreaminess but then also ushers alice back to reality like okay time for you to go do your responsibilities now yeah it's always a bittersweet ending to me (laughs) it was sort of like i can't stay there and it also like it wasn't just abrupt but it's like like within two pages it's like she wakes up and then she grows up and she has her own children and blah 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 blah. and i'm like yeah yeah it's weird hold on what we're literally just in this girl's fever dream and then then she grows up and dies and moves on move on yeah there's other people in the world like it was so it was so and again that's where the abrupt nonsensicalness i was just like kind of i found myself frustrated yeah like just like oh i guess we're done here yeah Yeah. and and uh i was i was ready to like sort of like get comfy with the Mad Hatter's tea party. I was ready to um, sort of get to know the caterpillar better and, and nope, it's all over. And, and I agree. I think that it is very reminiscent just of a dream of, of, you know, all of a sudden you're spirited away to the next setting, to the next storyline, to the next plot line. Um, And I, and I do think that uh, Lewis Carroll just really enjoyed that, that feeling of, of fleeting, information and sort of uh, i mean it's we're here talking about it in a way where it's like he only gave us so much per well, section. I mean, it was absolutely i don't know the word that i'm like culture shocking uh it mm-hmm. it ripple and it continues to ripple through us pop culture our yeah. understanding to this day and it's been almost 150 years it has yeah. been 150 years. I'm sorry, 1865. It's been 150 years since he wrote this. Yeah, so it's, true. it's still continuing to have this massive impact. And I mean, the mm-hmm. phrase 
down the rabbit hole and follow the white rabbit right. originated from this. Um, and maybe yeah. maybe he pulled this, this I, I don't know, I haven't dug into that. Maybe he's pulled the um, inspiration for those phrases from other like occult things that I'm not aware of or, but. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, you mentioned earlier the connection of, of uh, Persephone and spring. And I think that there is definitely a springtime energy that goes throughout Alice. I think about the white rabbit representing, I think about the, the goddess of Easter. True. Um, yeah, always having, yes, exactly. Having, having the white rabbit always present. And what a perfect time the for us to bunny. do this episode. Too, I right? know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, this is, this, this lines up very nicely. But I also think that the white rabbit kind of showed up as, as a, a psychopomp. A, a, a guide of the souls. The, the rabbit's always there, sort of he showing seemed up like an to sort of to me. move. Oh yeah, like I mean, I wasn't very like, impressed with him. I thought he was a douche. <laughs> nah, he's he's kind of he's impatient. Uh, he's he's well, this didn't really happen in the book. This happened in the movie. He's like for an important date, and uh, like he, uh, I feel like he was sort of ushering Alice from checkpoint to checkpoint. Uh, but he's only there for guide. like like. 30% of the book or so like there's a whole middle part yeah. of the book where the white rabbit's not there at all and um yeah. I, like he she follows him down and he also I guess kind of accidentally protects her at the end it feels like it doesn't feel like it's yeah, on purpose definitely. and he doesn't yeah. really want to be seen with her or want anything to do with her she's just kind of attached herself to him no no like I think I think that he was in the right place at the right time oftentimes and just sort of ushered her along through her journey um at his dismay <laughs> and uh yeah. and yeah like like uh, but he was means to an end and i think that he was there to sort of represent like uh i think about like characters like karen who on the river sticks he's the one that like controls the fairy uh in the underworld right and so he's kind of like okay alice like Let's get to this, the, the next lesson, the next trial and tribulation, you know, without saying that out loud. Uh, I also I also think about like how rabbits and, and are, are often messengers for Faye and sort of like connecting that piece too. That's a little looser, but like I, I and, and I think that it's important to think about Alice with Faye in mind. This feels very spirited away where, I don't know, she's brought into this supernatural world with a bunch of tricksters and speaking in riddles and um, not exactly. I think exactly. the word trickster is definitely important when talking about yeah. Alice in Wonderland because so much of the characters are just like the Cheshire Cat we haven't even mentioned at all yet. Oh, yeah. Is full. I, I saw something that was kind of like uh, analyzing the Cheshire Cat as the subconscious mind and mm. I don't know that I really liked that it didn't really like like hit for me okay. um i don't know exactly why but he didn't quite seem subconscious to me um but i, I don't think so either. i it, like the flicker of his existence where you can just cut but it's i don't know it doesn't it doesn't feel right i felt i always coined the treasure cat almost like a sphinx uh a a riddle giver a once again, I feel like I feel like there's just like so many gates that Alice has to open, and there's like so many things that, uh, if if anything, I'd say that all of Wonderland is the subconscious, is uh, yeah. like all different forms of it, and it would it would be unfair to only give that title to the Cheshire Cat. I think that every being that shows up in Wonderland is an extension of her identity and how she channels it the main like i was seeing uh the queen is ego uh like the the right. the, the front-facing ego mm. and that makes sense to me because like in the uh the croquet game at the end she has to win and all of the other characters in the all of the other characters manipulate the situation so that the queen does win. And even Alice finds herself like changing what she's saying to the Cheshire cat when the, the queen is nearby so that the queen doesn't overhear her saying that she thinks that the queen sucks, basically. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like everyone's constantly like, it feels very like Emperor's New Clothes kind of feeling mm, to the queen yeah, where she's definitely. she's constantly being padded but but it's because everybody's afraid of her but yeah she's terrifying isn't that like the ego too the ego's a little crazy bitch sure like off with the head like the second it's yeah, it's you yeah. know been insulted mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just immediately shutting down anything that doesn't apply yeah. to its reality and to its identity um i definitely agree with that and and i also think about uh 
Well, at one point, Lewis Carroll has an, has an essay about Alice that sort of goes a little bit deeper into his thoughts on it. He was, and, and I think that some people, when thinking about like the of Hearts, they think about like, oh, it's the 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 Queen of Hell, <laughs> like uh, because like the King of Hearts must be this representation of Hades in some shape or form. Uh, but I think that more so, what what he said was like, I have the quote here. It says, "I picture to myself the Queen of Hearts." as a sort of embodiment of an ungovernable passion, a blind and aimless fury, and furies capitalized. Uh, that brings me to think about the furies, the, which in Roman mythology, they're like the servants to Hades. And and one of the furies is, is uh, someone named Tisiphone, uh, the queen of the furies. And these are like uh, insane women that would just like inflict madness upon convicted murderers and perjurers and like just these evil individuals and i feel like the queen of hearts is just so vengeful and hateful and angry and i think that it's this representation of just like this pure unadulterated yeah yeah like just like uh and everyone just goes uh-huh uh-huh because she's terrifying uh and, and, well, and then the second her back's turned the king is like nah you don't have to kill any of them don't worry yeah, about yeah, it yeah yeah exactly but like, then he's also like honey come over here and do all my bidding for me please like kill like he mm-hmm. the the king is also like very emasculated which is interesting yeah and and i i do think that there's like a bit of like girl power throughout the book uh like, which is interesting because this is written by a man yeah, yeah, and and, <laughs> and and but I think like at the end of the day, like it, it's all about reminding Alice of her power and Al- reminding Alice of like I, I I do think and then this comes in the satire where it's like don't listen to authority, right? There's like this like don't listen to like the the angry authorities that rule through power, right? narrative that i think that was definitely trying to be pushed subtly through the book as well like uh and and i think that overall like the the whole story of alice in wonderland is 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 this exploration and deepening the depth of identity um and you mentioned earlier like the caterpillar being like who you like who are you <laughs> a very particular and alice tries to like she she gets a little irritated and she's like uh whatever and like starts to walk away and then he calls her back and it's like no 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 like get back here like uh like here's another chance to like confront your identity <laughs> you know uh and and then like he keeps asking her who are you who are you and she's like uh, uh, i don't know and and he says something like like keep your temper you know and and like that's such a like a, a thoughtful phrase too like just this belief that like you know when we calm our emotions our truth comes out our uh, a more thoughtful way of speaking and living comes out a meditative calm perhaps sort and of follows the the caterpillar himself i can't remember if it's the caterpillar or the cheshire cat but it's one of those two characters because it's right at that moment where she she comments something like i've never met a more contradictory like or contrarian like person in my life yeah. or character in my life like every everything that i say they disagree with and i want to say it was the caterpillar mm-hmm. where she's like well i want to go that way and he's like well who would want to go that way like he's very like and and the way that i kind of like looking at it is it's this constant challenging and like do you really think that do you really want to do that like it's yeah. it's, it's double checking and it's a part of the the subconscious mind coming in and being yeah. like do you mean that do you actually want to do that or are you sure you know, yeah are you and, sure about that <laughs> and i feel like i do that i feel like uh the the more like for lack of a better term woke i become the more checking myself i do mm-hmm. before i do anything and uh i was actually i was just seeing like a series of tweets the other day that was like man i wish i i i I miss the days that I was like unhinged and unwell because I just got to do whatever the fuck I wanted. Uh, but now that I'm I'm more uh, in tune with myself and in tune with my morals and my ethos, I find myself checking myself. I find myself stopping myself and pausing and and not diving headfirst into things. And I found that so relatable. And I think that that's mm. such a core part of Alice's journey is this constant learning how to check herself before she wrecks herself it's and and it's the the keep your temper it's the another thing i noticed about alice is that she is she she makes everything about herself as most children do 
Yeah, but I I also don't think this is necessarily just about being a child, though. I think this mm-hmm. is like like we've been talking about. It's a lot about like the ego and the mind, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of. It, I mean, it's relatable for me because I find one of the first things I do in conversations with people is how can I relate to their story with something that I've been through, so right. that they know that I I understand them and I'm connecting with them. And there are other ways to connect with people besides just being like, oh yeah, your dad died, my dad died too. Like like right, okay, right. they don't they don't you know what I mean like. There's other ways to connect, but there's there's a lot of parts in the story. I'm thinking like with the mock turtle. I mean, just yeah. so many different parts where um, the mock turtle is trying to talk about like there's like I went to school over here and Alice is like, well, I went to school, too. And then the mock turtle's like, OK, um, yeah, well, like- did your school have this? <laughs> and But then the mock turtle, I could I feel like was probably lying about the lessons they took to just one up Alice. But that's because Alice was basically trying to one up the, the turtle it was a mirror, too. Like, right? yeah. So Alice is coming in like, well, I went to school. That's not that impressive. Why are you impressed by, by having French? Like I took French and yeah. like, why aren't you just like supporting this person's story instead of being like, why, why are you bragging about like, I don't know, like, dude, why, why are you bragging about liking Alice in Wonderland Dukes? Like I, I read it too. <laughs> I wasn't that impressed with it. You shouldn't right. be so like, like it's, that's just such a yeah. bad way to have a conversation with someone or to relate and interact with someone. And yeah. there's so many different, I mean, I guess they're all like archetypes because all the, the ways that she's interacting Definitely. with them, but all of the characters seem to have the same reaction to her. They don't like her. <laughs> Besides maybe with <laughs> because like she the doesn't like herself of the Cheshire cat, maybe because the Cheshire, the Cheshire cat is one of the few that she seemed like, oh, the Cheshire cat's back. Good. Um, yeah. And the Cheshire cat seemed interested in speaking to her, too. But the rest of them are like full of disdain or irritated to be around her or. Yeah. Well, she's very irritated throughout almost the whole book, too. Yeah. I feel like it's all mirrors, right? Like, where uh, she she was, uh, like, the caterpillar was pissing her off. The tea party just, like, she was like, the hell? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, and, and then they're getting frustrated with her because they're like, of course it doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, and, and we're not trying to say or do these things to make sense to you. We are it's just doing. so random, too, because like my brother never talks about Alice in Wonderland. But like a week mm. or two ago, he made a reference to the Mad Hatter. He was really, really angry about um, spring forward, fall back, whatever we call this. Uh, was that like yeah. t- the chime change? And yeah. it was like, it's so annoying. It's like when the Mad Hatter just tells everyone to change seats at the table for no reason. And he's never <laughs> read Alice in Wonderland. I asked him. Uh, about it. I was like, that's so random that you bring that up because I'm reading it right now. Have you read it? And he's like, oh, no, I've never read it. And I was like, how do you even know about that scene then? <laughs> like, why, are you, why are you bringing this up right now? But yeah. yeah, the Mad Hatter was like very like nonsensical, but he's yeah. mad, right? Um, right. And cha- like changing the table around. Everyone moved tables and then Alice is, no longer has like the desirable food that she wanted or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what do you make of that scene? Oh, I don't know. Like, I, I think that when I think about the the tea party, I think about like like it's such like a Dionysus feel where it's like so exuberant, it's crazy and, drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and and I think about like um, even like the Dormouse sort of being this almost like drunkard that's like laying over himself, like muttering things to himself. Oh, and, interesting. Like, I didn't think to think of him as a drunkard. Yeah. Like just sort of like they like shake him awake. They're like, tell the stories. Like, okay. Like, and just, it's just madness. I think that it's just such a, a, a mad. And it's funny. Cause like they even offer Alice wine. They're like, you want some wine? She's like, I'm not old enough. They're like, that's fine. We don't have wine anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I think that was like sort of like a nod from Lewis Carroll being like, okay, like everyone here's a bit lost in the sauce right now. And I also think that a big important part of the tea party. So, and once again, I'm going to jump back to the caterpillar. I think that the caterpillar part was so fascinating because that's where she really honed in with her identity connected to her physicality, um, the big and small. And she was three inches tall and she was like, I'm tired of being this size. Help me. Uh, and, uh, he was like, you know, like one side of the mushroom will make you grow taller. One side will make you grow shorter. So she kind of goes around to the other side of the mushroom. And then, as you said, she kind of has like, um, num, num, like eating both sides. Uh, and, and I liked the imagery because she it says she reaches both of her hands around, like hugging the mushroom and pulls yeah. a piece off of both sides. And then she's staring at them and she's like, which side is which? Like, right. and, yeah. and I, I, that whole scene I thought was like, 
I don't know, such a fun visual and feeling. Uh-huh. And, and like, and, and to me, that that whole scene was like, she's she re- regained control of her physicality. But I think that's also her realizing, oh, my identity is attached to this. And then she goes to the tea party. And there's like a whole back and forth about time. And I think that now, so she kind of gained control of their physical sense. Now she's gaining control of her sense of time and what yeah, that means. Yeah, because I think that his clock was stuck on a specific time. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, it's like, what day of the month is it? He says, and he's like looking at his pocket watch and like putting it to his ear. And Alice is like, hmm, like, oh, it's the fourth. He's like, oh, no, that's two days wrong. <laughs> you know, and it's like. In the, and she's, yeah, there, he, he was like really frustrated because his um, watch only only tells like either the the month i think or the year or something and yeah. she's like why is it only you know I, there, there was a whole back and forth and he's like well why would you want something to that shows you something that changes so quickly like she's like well why would you have something that just says the year on it because it takes yeah. so long to change like you don't need the year put on your watch and it's a yeah it's a whole conversation about time mm-hmm. yeah and, and he said something very particular which is if you knew time as well as I do, you wouldn't talk about wasting it. It's him. Uh, yeah. And, and I always like that line because it makes me think of Saturn. It makes me think of Kronos. It makes me think of the god of time. It makes me think of uh, how ultimately this is like a... a this is my connection, the connection to like... I had to, to like, read that line like three or four times before I understood it because he's like, it's him. And I was like, who, what are you talking about? But wasting it. I'm wasting yeah. time, wasting it. And, and he's saying to you to change that pronoun to him. And mm-hmm. time is a, a, a an entity, not just an object, basically. Right, and right. Uh, it took me a couple of times of reading that line. And that's, that's the other thing that makes me like look at Alice and be like, I bet there's like 98% of this that flew right over my fucking head because that right. one really like took me a second to digest and understand there's there's so many layers to this book and i think that some are more subtle than others and i think that there's just like even me making the connection to time to saturn who knows if lewis carroll like had that in mind right? maybe not but, saturn but certainly an entity yeah yeah a, a physical source of power mm-hmm. a physical source of uh well and this makes me think about i don't know which you know where it comes from but there's two different gods of time you might know what i'm talking about already chronos one, and someone else uh, yeah. someone else <laughs> <laughs> one is like okay so there are two greek words for time one is chronos which is the kind of time that is measured in days hours minutes and seconds and this is the kind of time we're used to keeping in our lives as we adhere to busy, busy schedules and the second word for time is chi Kairos, so Kronos versus Kairos. And Kairos signifies a period or a season, a moment of indeterminate time in which an event or of significance happens. And I, I think that Einstein has, like, I don't know if it's oh, relativity yeah. or whatever, but Einstein kind of talks about this a little bit too, where um, maybe it's not, maybe it's just one of these memes I saw on the internet and I thought it was an Einstein quote, but it's not because <laughs> there's a billion Einstein quotes like that apparently. Yeah, but um, where like, imagine when you're having to take a test in high school and it's an hour long long and you don't know the answers to it and you're just sitting here watching the clock and that hour feels like it takes a week as compared to an hour on a first date with someone that you're really excited and that just flies by it's over in like two seconds kairos is that type of time yeah rules that it's this indeterminate like you say it's an hour but that hour is different depending on the subjective experience of that moment versus Mm -hmm. chronos which is just measurable and scientific basically right right and i and i do think that dance is very real throughout the the entirety of Alice in Wonderland like it, it it's just like a dream uh how much time has passed how much how does it feel how long does it feel I feel like she talks about how long she feels like she's been there and which is also I think worth mentioning a side effect of opium uh feeling like you've lived five, <laughs> 50 100 years in in an hour you know do you like, or any psychedelic really do you remember yeah. um when you were reading about that did he read those books before or after he wrote before. Alice in Wonderland before. damn okay yeah this was definitely inspired in, in some way shape or form for sure and From also it's worth mentioning <laughs> <laughs> and also Lewis Carroll uh, is was also a well-known mathematician and uh, that's more focused on in the second book with the chess game 
uh, Alice being the pawn and sort of the the math of, of chess. But I think that like just his deep set knowledge and appreciation for the art of math, I think, kind of bleeds through in Alice in small ways too, through like the discussion of time and stuff. I feel like that that's such like a mathematical uh, joy for a lot of people. The the passing of time and the the equations that occur when. I don't know, time moves along and, and, and shifts. So I, I, I could definitely see so much of Lewis Carroll's uh, hobbies <laughs> coming through and, and Alice. And he, he poured a lot of himself and a lot of his feelings and a lot of his opinions throughout the entire book and the sequel. W- w- will you find yourself reading through the looking For glass? Sure. Yeah, and I, I will probably do a proper esoteric study of Alice at some point. Um, I think I was expecting something different uh, and I hadn't read Lewis Carroll before. I think I might have read the Jabberwocky in high school for, right, you know, right. but I didn't care about anything I was reading in high school, so I didn't yeah. mindfully read it. And yeah. I probably just copied the homework the next day, but sure. I will probably do a proper because while I was kind of like digging around trying to understand my my first knee jerk is always to apply things to the psyche and like ego subconscious all of this kind of the shadow all of that kind of stuff I love um psychology and uh, applying yeah. things to psychology so my my knee jerk reaction when reading Alice was to kind of interpret it in a psychological manner and kind of pick up on the archetypes and stuff too to see how yeah. I could you know how does this relate to my understanding of tarot and uh yeah. psychology in general my dream interpretations dream interpretations mean shit when you're looking at Alice in Wonderland because <laughs> that's the yeah. thing is like you look at this and it's like you wake up from a dream like this and what the hell is the like what what does the mad hatter represent i was at this weird tea party yeah. and the guy was like made me change seats and there was a drunken there was a sleepy mouse and like you wake up and you're like you know what i i'm not even gonna write that down because it was so dumb like it's just so nonsensical and, and maybe that's also why i connected so much with alice i feel like i have these dreams so often these um seemingly nonsensical like happenstances now last night my dream was i needed to be smuggled out of the country and keanu reeves was doing it so like (laughs) he was like the action hero that was smuggling me out of the country and getting me on airplanes and stuff and faking the passport i don't have dreams like this like i have very mundane but that just because they're mundane doesn't mean that there's not some kind of like profound symbolism in or something but i don't dream about like abstract stuff and and alice feels so abstract that it's almost like unrelatably bizarre yeah and and i guess for me this is just like another night in my bed like i i'm having tea parties with pokemon and uh like dancing upside down on ceilings and uh like this is definitely a comfort zone for me as weird as that sounds and i i think that it doesn't sound weird it makes sense too because like i think that alice is also like a fun space to exist in because anything is possible it feels like yeah definitely uh and and it's funny the 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 types of walls and restrictions that are put up throughout the story like uh you can't have too much fun or else like the queen of hearts is gonna get you you know like and it's sort of that that the the overwhelming fear of 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 course there's the narrative of like the adults are all uh loud or meek uh they either have a lot of um voraciousness and anger or um they just sit there and they nod their heads and go like yes ma'am yes ma'am and it's like i I mean that's just such such the mind of a child right and seeing adults as these commandeering demanding figures or you know like uh just another cog in the wheel it's interesting to me that lewis carroll wanted to consult and analyze and dissect the mind of a child and consult analyze and dissect the mind of an opiate uh <laughs> deep diver yeah because i i will say that in in my experience of being in like psychedelic spaces it's it is kind of childlike you lose touch of a rationality um which i think is missing in alice and that's the that's the other thing is like we talked about this a bit in the dream episode from uh last week which if y'all are liking this conversation, y'all should probably check out our dream yeah. episode too. There's a lot of similarities in the in the um the topics that we're kind of touching yeah, on here, but definitely. um it, it's a Oh no, I forgot the word that I just had, but, uh, the the lack of rationality, um, in, in these spaces, the, because 
from what I understand of the way psychedelics play in uh, like the brain is the two hemispheres of the brain stop communicating with each other in the way that we we understand them to or we we expect them to and that we've evolved to exist with them doing. And when the creative artsy, fluid, colorful side of the brain is no longer communicating with that math, logistic one plus one equals two Mm -hmm. side of the brain. Nothing makes sense. And the Mad Hatter is handing you a teacup and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a caterpillar that's helping you eat mushrooms to, to change your body size and stuff. Like it, it starts to feel more nonsensical. So, and I think that that's interesting that the unhardened mind of a child, uh, is the same space that we, we, I don't know, is the brain like, there's so much to look into, like for me with my yeah. little science brain coming in here, like what happens to the mind of a child, like when it hits puberty, what is it like pre-puberty that makes the mind of a child so bizarre, dreamy, lack of rationality, malleable, yeah. malleable and because children are supposed to be more likely to see ghosts, they're more able to have psychic, uh, like ex- phenomena, experiences, telepathic communication, like they're yeah. supposed to be more in line and more able, more closer to that veil and able to cross yeah. back and forth between that veil than it seems like it lines up with puberty, which is very, very strange to me. Right. Um, and, and that goes kind of back to like the priestesses going underground. They, they're oh. coming of age and sort of then being ushered into a new sense of wisdom through this nonsensicalness, through the the uh, madness of, of being alone underground, you know, uh, being alone with your thoughts, being alone in all of their glory and all of their... amazingness right it's sort of being able to develop a a wizened old soul like experience from accepting and embodying and and uh embracing the the brilliant mind of a child i was just thinking it must be hormonal um and i Mm. bet it has something to do with the adrenal gland pineal gland yeah and like the way that hormones start to to be released after you hit puberty and the way that that might change one of the glands in the brain that would, you know, cause like the, the pineal gland is supposed to let you have more third eye, blah, blah, blah kind of thing. So maybe it's something to do with that. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So many, so many spots that Alice could take us. There's so many Mm -hmm. rabbit holes that can spawn out of an Alice conversation. Um, And we didn't even touch on and uh, let us know if you want us to do any uh, like, further talks about Alice with any of these sub genres. And I will eventually be reading, um, through the looking glass because I was expecting to run into Tweedledee and Tweedledum and, um, I never, they, they don't show up in the first Alice book. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to dig into that too. And, um, is that the only other book that Lewis Carroll wrote in the Alice series? It's just those two. Yep, and they're six years apart um, from him writing it, which I think is worth mentioning. So, you know, he's gotten a bit older, and it was because of the booming success of Alice. And I was going to say, I bet there's like a his sassy writers edition in there to the the i bet he got a lot of criticism on the book and i bet yeah. he goes in on the critics in in the writing oh, of through the looking glass definitely and and he has a lot more shit to be mad about and <laughs> through the looking glass he gets <laughs> real poli- that's it that's his true political commentary is through the looking glass and it's really interesting um there's a lot of yeah i'm not gonna spoil too much but like he gets into cool, like humpty okay. dumpty and stuff so it, it's an interesting i was gonna say space. i thought i remembered humpty dumpty was in this too and he didn't show up in the first one either so Mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's this is a fascinating little imagination world that um i feel very blessed to have been able to ingest and and appreciate i think that even for uh, there's something for everyone in alice i think uh yeah and and i think that's the beauty of it uh everyone would walk away with something different and i think that Unless someone was super just close-minded and, and sucks to talk to in general, I think that if someone sits down and reads Alice, if you you and another person sit down and read Alice, you're going to be able to have a really interesting conversation afterwards. Yeah, no everyone's going to retain something different from it. But I, and, and I think the thing that mostly brings us together with Alice is that it reminds us of the deep and unsettling and big, beautiful imagination of a child. And yeah. I think and, I, and that goes back to my first point that all around the world, children have incredibly vivid and fucked up imaginations. And <laughs> that's why the story is just so accessible for everyone. Uh, it, it, 
kids because it is really simple and it, it's yeah. also a lot of things that are that are brought up in this are very like why do I exist? They're very like normal and, and eventual ponderings of, of any consciousness, any conscious human being is eventually going to wonder like, why am I here? (laughs) What what happens when I die? Like, not that those are necessarily questions that are, are addressed, but I think that are tiptoed towards. And it's nice sort of giving that voice to a child, uh, and, and makes it valid for, for to, to give a child that, narrative right because i think children are just as likely to have those thoughts and feelings as adults do for sure and they're gonna see it in a completely different lens which is just as valid just as cool maybe even more interesting than the eyes of an adult that have been hardened jaded jaded. exactly and i I think that's the beauty of wonderland truly so you have a couple of um books that you have that you could maybe recommend to our listeners if they're they're interested in more deep diving and the esoteric Yes. goodness of Alice. I got it right here. Uh, this is the big one. Um, this is called Alice's Adventures in Wonderland Decoded by David Day. This guy, David Day, super, super knowledgeable on, on Alice lore, sometimes makes some big claims, but I, I think that's a part of the joy of Alice is being able to sort of conjure up ideas of what's happening without maybe solid proof, just because this is a tale as old as time, perhaps, in, in some way, shape, or form. And um, I do believe in the channeling of like the super conscious of uh, just this this archetype of the underworld, of coming of age, of the hero's journey, all those things. Uh, so yeah, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Decoded by David Day. Amazing. Also recommend his other stuff. He has a bunch of books on The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings as well. Cool. Really fascinating. Um, and I also recommend getting an annotated Alice. There's there's a few out there. And um, I have like, I think the 150th uh, year edition. And that's a really solid book. That's a little bit more historical that talks about like, oh, the reason why this is being brought up because during this time period, when the book was being written in the Victorian ages, blah, 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 blah. So in that context, it w- could, is, could help you from chasing like dead end rabbit holes, like yeah. where it's like, oh, having the context of, of what it was like in 1860, uh, like culture wise, po- specifically the area that he was in might, mm-hmm. and you know, like there's definitely dated language there. The word queer is used a ton, like, oh, yeah. how queer, this is so queer. What a, mm-hmm. what a strange and queer place this is. And, um, stupid was also used in a way yeah. that, that felt very weird, queer to me. Uh, it <laughs> felt very like, he, I think the Mad Hatter calls her that. Like one of uh, one character, it was it was the Mad Hatter because he was just like he he's they're going back and forth and he kind of like one ups her on a little bit of an intellectual thing and he's like a stupid and the way that it sounded was like a slur, a slur, exactly. <laughs> and did yeah. not. And I think back in the day, stupid was like was a, like a, a medical. Slur. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was like using the word stupid was like calling someone uh, any. I'm sure y'all can fill in the blank right now with specific words that that we a don't word that use starts with that, a letter. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I the way he said it, I was like, hold on, why do I feel like this should be redacted? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It, different time periods, different ways of storytelling. And it's amazing how well the story is held up in spite of all yeah, that, right? Yeah, and, and, for sure. And indeed, perhaps it is quite queer how often the word is used. And, and actually, when I, so I read this story very young, and I would use that word not knowing that it was out Using of it that, the way that it yeah. was used in Alice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I had to be yeah, that's queer. Uh, and I had to be educated on that. I had no idea. Little second grader Dukesley running around calling myself queer, calling my friends queer. I had no idea. <laughs> Flash forward to now, and that's still relevant and true, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our imitates life. Uh, but the last thing I want to recommend too is that there is an Alice in Wonderland oracle, uh, and I think that this does a lot of justice to I don't know just the esoteric lessons in Alice, and it's by Lucy Cavendish, who's a very popular oracle card. This is the book. So this is the the Alice in Wonderland oracle, the very oh. iconic art style. Yeah, right? I have a tarot deck by her, but it's not Alice. It's like the beautiful. It's called Beautiful Creatures, and it's very like oh, I think my mom has that one. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, so, uh, there, and there are, like, Alice in Wonderland tarot decks. I still haven't found a, uh, a nice, hard-hitting tarot deck with Alice yet, but uh, there's tons of oracles, uh, as you can imagine, just from this episode alone. There's so much that you can interpret and, and just absorb through the wisdom, uh, the childlike wisdom. There's so wisdom. many places you could go, yeah. And yeah. if you haven't ever read Alice in Wonderland, or if you have and you just want to re-adventure into it i'll leave a link in um the blog post with this and up on our social media but my shady whispers the full book is um available will be available when this goes up on monday friday the last episode uh is going up so it's like the 20 nice. uh 24th tomorrow the last episode of that will be up and it's three episode three uh sorry three chapters per episode so it's four episodes but it's only a four hour listen um it is done like asmr style so it's soft spoken it's not whispered it's soft spoken but it's super I, cozy it is. I think so. Um, if I if I may, if I do say so myself, but <laughs> I, I worked really hard editing it and I, I love listening to soft spoken reading. So I've I've kind of modeled it after other content like that I like. But I will say that <laughs> I had to sing more than I was expecting to. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I got a fucking shit voice when it comes to singing. But these the mock turtle has this like giant two page long song and I'm like just making up mm -hmm. some melody as I go along because I don't know how it's supposed to That's sound. That's the spirit. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting book, and um, I definitely have my criticisms of it. But I, I literally like catch me criticizing everything I love. Let's go. <laughs> I'll I'll tear Last of Us apart right now. Ch try me. Um, but I'll oh, also give Pedro Pascal a kiss on the cheek too. So. Oh. Just one. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> Respectfully. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, do you have any other final thoughts? We went a little over our time, but it's, I feel like, really easy to do with this topic. Yeah. No, I, I think I think I said everything I wanted to say. Seriously, if you haven't ingested uh, Alice in Wonderland, and, and listen, the Disney movie's great, but I, I encourage you all to appreciate it and take it in, and it's Oh, natural form. So if, if you want to listen to it, I really do recommend Ty's podcast, Shady Whispers. So cozy, so sweet. Uh, but it's it, hey, shadylady.com slash whispers, by the way. I just realized mm -hmm. I didn't say where to find it. But <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely check that out. Uh, but if not, there's tons of different editions of Alice in Wonderland. They got some really fun and interesting covers. Here's mine for those who have video right now. And it's kind of fun because like all the pages are kind of like ripped oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah kind of whimsical uh but seriously like uh try it and, and let us know what you think and especially for those who have already listened to alice join our discord i i but let us know especially. what you think of some of these uh characters and how you related to them and if you you know you love the queen and you thought that we were calling her like terrible words and you're like how could you think this about the queen she's such a yeah. cool let us know what you think about yeah. the symbols and how you feel about them and what alice meant to you when you were growing up and your first experience reading it or watching the yeah. movie we'd love to uh chat with y'all about that and, yeah we um, want we want to hear it all if y'all are interested too, let us know. Um, we could do an Alice movie night in the next couple of weeks. Oh, um, yeah. We're uh, we just we just did Waking Life. By the time this goes up on Monday, we'll have watched Waking Life together. So let us know if you're interested in that. I haven't seen the newer live action one, for example, and I don't. Oh. I ha it's been it's 20 okay. plus years since I watched the animated one, so I wouldn't mind revisiting that as well. But yeah, I like I like the Disney one. Uh, the, the the live action one's fun in its own way, but. Uh, I, 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 I I remember watching the one with the it, I want to say it was Tim Burton, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, of course it was Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> True. <laughs> the self report. Yeah. The self report. Yeah. I think. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here, though. Okay. Um, if you would like to find out more about Celestial Cafe, check us out at celestialcafe.org. We've got a whole backlog of episodes now. We're pushing like twenty. I think this is episode twenty-five today. Yes. And super exciting. Our next week is a full moon episode, correct? Yep, yep. So we'll be live streaming that on Thursday, the 30th of March at twitch.tv slash heyshadylady. And it will be available on podcasting platforms on April 3rd. And that's the full moon in... Libra. Libra. Um, and we'll be chatting all about that. And um, yeah, join our Discord, hang out with us on social media. And I guess that's it. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll see y'all next time at the Celestial Cafe. Thank you. Bye. Oh Bye, my gosh. Bye. <laughs>